Good evening everyone and welcome to another episode of Pinoy Chaos. This is your host, Licorillo. <clears throat> Sorry, Licorillo. <laughs> My throat is a little you know, parched. And, uh, oh, guess what? We have a special guest tonight. Uh, his name is uh, Ryan um, uh, Martin, uh, Marvin uh, Doroha, but you can call him Dodgy. What's so special about this guy? Well, he is... Uh, not only is a good friend of mine, he's also he's also a tarot reader. Uh, so, Dodgy, hello. Yep, hello there. And what's uh, the evening to all of you guys out there? Okay, so uh, Dodgy, uh, so Anna, uh, how long have you been doing uh, tarot readings? Uh, you know, cartomancy. Well, cartomancy, uh, I started like way back during my. Uh, college period. Actually, um, it started because of my mom's influence. Uh, because my mom used to have this uh, people around him who used to do a lot of fortune telling for her. And I was kind of curious back then on how it works. I didn't exactly uh, started just like uh, in a formal school or anything like that. I just asked questions from them. That's how it began. It's like way back in 2003. And then uh, gradually it evolved, and uh, well, um, when I first got my job, I, I finally bought this book. It was my one of my first book for tarot card reading, and uh, it became my inspiration since then. However, um, it's kind of a fade for me because uh, I believe that there's still something else that you could do with a tarot card. It's not just for reading, you know. I mean, there are some other things that you could do with it. So I've decided to uh, venture out and find some other folks. And uh, I was able to find one, and, and luckily it was you. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, surprise, surprise, right? <clears throat> and it's quite okay. weird because we have a common friend. And I was like, why didn't I need that before? And I was so amazed back then. And then... You came in and wow, that was a great time during that that moment. And I learned a lot. So it was really a, a fun ride. It was like a, well, it became such a, an adventure for me at that time because I, I really didn't know that there are communities that exist at that time. All I know is that it was just like you know a typical magic stuff, you know, that is surrounded by mystery. You can only learn it from some faraway, distant mountains, from the hermit or something like that. But there you are, and uh, the rest of the people. And That's right. You don't need a ticket to go to Nepal or Tibet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be a roller coaster ride, I think. But yeah, it was really, it was really an amazing moment at that time. Because I felt, I felt like, uh, wow, it's like. There's a, a world out there for these kind of things, and that's where it all began. Just way back before, I, I just learned, and you know, I, I usually cater this kind of things with some of my uh, mom's friends and uh, some of my aunt. And uh, it's kind of uh, well, when you're in that circle, it's kind of like constricting. You see the same people all over again. They will ask you same questions, same things. It's like it's like being repetitive at that point. So 
venturing out in this world together with you guys uh, opened up a lot of possibilities. And uh, I've learned a lot, uh, not just from you guys, but some of the other people as well, from the other part of this uh, universe. That's how I say it. Yeah, the mystical universe, the magical folk uh, universe of chaos and everything. And it's really fun, actually. Yeah. And as time goes by, um, I've learned uh, not just about tarot cards, but also the existence of other cards as well that is used for divination and performance, like uh, the Norman, uh, some of these uh, other cards that originated from the uh, old age, the Marseille. Oh yeah, the Marseilles. Uh, even though the art looks very outdated, I mean... I, I know. I've actually heard some people say, you know, the, the art looks ugly, but, but uh, no, it, it, no, I like it anyway. It's an It's so it's old classy. school. It feels classy. Exactly. It feels classy, and at the same time, I could take a look at the uh, the Marseille. It, old school, no old school, uh, talaga Marseille. Yeah. School. And very challenging to read, huh? Yes, it's challenging, but once you get the hang of it, it's an easy breezy reading, actually. Um, it's just uh, a huge challenge, especially if you're a, a visual type of uh, reader. Because it doesn't provide you any visual at all, unless you're uh, looking at uh, major arcanas. But if you look at the uh, the minors, it's like you're looking at uh, a typical playing card. Actually, uh, the thing is... Uh, well, wait, hold on. Uh, I, and not all of our re- not, not all of our listeners, you know, uh, know... Uh, know uh, that much about you know terms like the major arcanas, minor arcanas. Heck, they did they, anyway. Okay. They probably heard of tarot, but they never heard of the term cartomancy. So let's do us uh, a brief uh, no, introduction to you know to the basics. So I'll uh, no, I'll just ask you questions. All right. Okay. So what is cartomancy? Cartomancy is a form, or as I would like to call it, an art of uh, divination, and uh, can be considered as fortune telling by using cards. It doesn't have to be a tarot card or a playing card. It can be any other card similar to it. I see. Okay, so uh, what are these, what, uh, no, what are the, you know, the minor arcana, major arcana you were talk, you were about to talk about? Oh, okay. Uh, let me provide a brief uh, discussion about that. Because uh, when you say tarot cards, it's basically uh, a compilation of two. Uh, part of uh, a set of cards. Mainly, you have the uh, the major arcana. These are 22 cards that contains all the. Uh, if you would take it to a Jungian concept, these would be the major things about uh, the uh, general aspect of what's going on with your life from the beginning to the end and what are the uh, the things that you go on as you progress into your life these are primarily uh just to give you an example the, the magician the fool uh the power the sun the moon the stars the world and similar to those cards primarily they denote something that would be uh, life-changing in your life or if you are going to consider that to a uh, typical playing card, these would be your trump cards. These would be your key uh, um, cards that you would play. This would be the major part that uh, you would bet on. Something like that. Now, uh, going to the uh, minor arcana, 
it's pretty similar to um uh let's say a regular set of uh, poker cards or playing cards basically uh, you have the uh, cards numbered from 1 to 10 and then you have if you uh, compare it uh, for tarot cards we have the, the page which is uh, also uh, equivalent but not exactly equivalent but before there was a page on the playing card because uh, Marseille was used to be the, uh, the grandfather of the, uh, the modern day playing card and uh, well, before it's actually a princess card before, which is uh, loosely translated into a page lately. And then you have the the, uh, the knight. The knight is uh, comparable to a jack, to a jack of a card. Let's say a uh, knight of pentacles, that would be equivalent to a jack of diamonds. And then you have the the, uh, the queen. Queen, uh, that's translated to a queen. On a, on a playing card. So if you have, if you like that, let's say the Queen of Swords, that would be equivalent to a Queen of Spade for, a, for a, a regular playing card. Now we have the King, and of course, uh, similar to a playing card. So let's say uh, if you have the King of Wands, that would be equivalent to a King of Clubs. So that's pretty much how the, uh, the major and minor arcana works. Mm -hmm. All right. <clears throat> So, uh, okay. So you were saying, uh, you know, the, the story you were, you were, no, you were about, you were, uh, no. Oh yeah. Yes. Uh, telling. The, uh, the one that I was telling about the uh, the Marseille because uh, Marseille cards was, uh, yeah. It's, to be honest, it's kind of a difficult situation if you would begin with that card. But definitely, it will really pay off. Uh, it will really pay off once you uh, get a hang with it because. Uh, that's primarily the, uh, the old school um, because uh, unlike tarot cards, because if you would look at typical tarot cards, they are they have a lot of pictures with them, so you have to do a lot of uh, reference point of what it means. Because uh, as you all know, picture paints a thousand words, and that's exactly what a tarot card is. It's a it's a bunch of it's a bunch of uh, pictures with a lot of meaning around it. So basically, uh, you can read a lot of books and they would have a number of interpretations for just one card. And uh, it will really amaze you. And then you can just simply pick out which uh, definition would uh, fit in to the type of, uh, or the, uh, the kind of reading that you would do. For Marseille, it's kind of difficult because you don't have any pictures on it. If, uh, if you would search on your uh, browser or if you would Google it, and uh, take a look at the uh, the Marseille Minor Arcana cards. They are just bunch of symbols. Let's say for swords. Let's say you have the uh, Bible swords, or let's say uh, six of pentacles. You wouldn't see any picture on it. You would just see just a symbol, or basically the uh, let's say uh, a wand. You'll, let's say seven of wands. You'll have their seven of wands and nothing else. You'll just have a bunch of, uh, how should I say, it's not exactly an art novel kind of uh, stylish, but it's kind of right then on the on that spot or on that box. So basically that's uh, it's kind of, um, it's like a, a elaborate picture. 
of a playing card. That's how I can say it. That's why it's so difficult because uh, when you're studying the tarot card, yeah, the, the very basic thing that, uh, or primarily the uh, the basic guidelines that you would have to follow would be uh, follow your instinct. Basically, uh, when you take a look at the card, check what you see on it, and then out of your own intuition, without having any doubt, you can just provide a definition or meaning on it, and that's how it starts. So basically with Marseille, it's kind of, uh, you would have to go beyond that. So meaning it would have to combine itself with uh, what was taught to you, uh, what was taught to you by uh, a mentor on what it means, and then it's up to you how you go along with it. So it's, uh, it's kind of a difficult situation. You would go through that process, right? I mean, uh, you leave, but you would also have that same thing. It's like uh, you're having a brain freeze with the first time you look at it, right? So it's kind of a difficult situation to start with. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So, yeah, yeah that's annoying. That's so. That's what's. Uh, that's what's very challenging about the Marseille deck. It's annoying. Uh, unlike the you know popular decks like. You know the Rider White, uh, Rider White Smith. Uh, I don't know if I say if, if I'm saying it, you know, in the correct order. Rider White Smith. I think uh, Rider White Smith's deck. Unlike the Rider Swim, Rider White Smith deck. <laughs> oh God. R-W. Pang tang twister na. R-W for short. I think. Um, it's a the minor arcanas, except of course the people like the king, the people cards like the king and the queens. Uh, it's mostly numbers. There are no, there are no, you know, uh, pick uh, images or artworks that you know gives clues to an to its meaning. Eh? You just you, you don't know. The Marseille deck, I know, forces you to use your intuition. Exactly, it's a thing. Uh, that's why it's a great card if you want to advance to a more intermediate kind of uh, understanding about uh, performance. Because it pushes you to, uh, to use the, the deeper meaning inside of you, that intuition to connect with the, uh, the cosmic universe and chaos to provide you the meaning that you need to interpret using that card. All right. So, uh... Okay, so I know here's a. I have a question for you. Uh, what is your favorite uh, tarot deck? I mean, I do know that you have a you have a collection of tarot decks, but uh, of course, yeah. I know you have a fam- you have a favorite or two somewhere there. Mm, that's actually a very tricky question. Um, let me tell you something because uh, at first when I started with tarot cards, I was curious about these other cards that are being used by my mom's uh, friends. The, they have this colorful, uh, other colorful cards, which is similar to a, a Rider White variant. So they also have images, but at the same time, they are more of modern in terms of approach. Some of the artwork are uh, a bit of, uh, I say, it's it's somewhere like uh, modern, but classic at the same time. It's like retro modern. And uh, some of them also have some sort of a kind of an edgy. But I met a lot of you guys uh, once I've been 
senior community and uh, the folk group, and I've seen a lot of edge kind of art parts, and it's really amazing. It's so fun to use. But throughout the time, as I collect art parts, uh, I, I have a several favorites, uh, like the uh, the, uh, the, the Awakening Fire Art, it's really a uh, fantastic art. The, uh, the Shilomar Shetty Art, especially, uh, artwork there is uh, absolutely good. Especially the, uh, the Gilded Tarot, it's actually good. There are some who are uh, more inclined to uh, modern themes. And uh, we have anime tarot cards, which is actually great. It's actually powerful, it's actually good. But at the end of the day, after having all these kind of cards removed, uh, I have to be honest, uh, you cannot beat the classic. So that would be uh, the top spot for, for me would be the, uh, the Rider Waite. Rider Waite? Uh, <laughs> I, I kept on mispronouncing it. So it's Rider Waite. Okay. Yes. All right. It's uh, the Rider Waite. Rider Waite Smith, right? I mean. Yep. Okay. That is correct. Exactly. Even though it's the most common kind of art for me, it's it's uh, it's an acquired taste actually. It's uh, it kind of rubs on you. And uh, well, if you're starting, it's and if that's only your card, then probably you look for something else. But uh, as time goes by, as uh, a lot of cards have been printed, as you have acquired uh, a number of cards with you, you suddenly feel that. Um, the most easiest one that could be, uh, let's say, something that you can easily connect with would be a rivalry. I mean, you can never go wrong with this one. So this is my top one on my list. Probably the second one would be the Pirates of it. Like the, uh, the, uh, the Crowley Harris that, or basically the, uh, also known as the Tom Harrow. It's kind of uh, a mystical. And uh, some people would use it for magic at some point, which is kind of a, an awesome thing, which is uh, something that I've learned from the other community. And uh, that's really an amazing card. Uh, maybe the, uh, the only thing that I can, uh, it's not exactly a downside, but um, it's kind of big. I have a small hands, so uh, it's kind of a difficult situation if I'd be using that. But other than that, um, that's an amazing card. Me. Uh, another thing is, uh, it's not exactly, uh, well, uh, well, this is like uh, my favorite tarot, right? So, uh, the next one would be this, the other uh, the tarot. It's so vibrant. This would be the very uh, first card, I think, right after the, uh, no, 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 this was actually the third one. Yeah. It was a long time ago, I forgot, I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, it is actually a vibrant. It's actually cool. It's it's like, uh, it's like a, how should I say it? It's kind of surreal. It's kind of like if you would take a look at it. Actually, if you would Google it right now, the Gilded Barrow, it kind of looks like uh, you're, in, you're floating in outer space. It's like uh, uh, a renaissance, uh, uh, kind of a design on it. It, it. it has that vibe on it. And then the next one would be, uh, uh, let's say, oh this kind of a difficult question. Oh my God. Okay. Oh, this is fine. You know what? We'll just go with the no. With the the first few favorites. All right. We don't have to name all of them. 
Besides, ano, I got ano, I got more questions anyway. So, okay, so, uh, okay, considering the fact that uh, tarot uh, tarot cards are still cards, I mean, have you ever, you know, used them to play games? Oh, that's actually. I mean, can, I mean, can you even play games with them? Actually, way back before the, uh, the Tarot of Marseille, it was actually a playing card. It was called uh, way back in uh, Italy. I don't know exactly what year was that, but we call it Tamochi. So they play it like uh, a typical playing card. You know, uh, like saying we would play a poker on a regular uh, playing card. So they would use that. Uh, for me, um, I've used Tarot Card before as a means for to be able to. Because I used to play a lot of the pen and paper RPG before, and I used to uh, write short stories for D&Ds and like that uh, sandbox gaming. So I usually use uh, tarot card as an inspiration for me to be able to write some things. Primarily, uh, let's say, for example, I just draw a random card. Like right now, let's say I have the uh, Age of Swords. That said, uh, let's start blind with something like uh, there is this young man, brave person, who aspires to be a soldier Oops. for this <laughs> far away kingdom. Oh, are you still there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh, no, I'm charge. Okay. I'm just charging my phone. <laughs> Sorry. No, no problem. It, it made no. sounds. <laughs> okay. Anyway, please continue. Oh yeah. Uh, going back. So yeah, those were the. Uh, Another example would be like, let's say, let's draw another card right here. So let's say, for example, uh, a nine of wands. So if I would start a story about that, be like uh, in a distant place, somewhere far away back, there was this shepherd who is kind of skeptical about his bird, as he thought that one of the sheep or one of those young things that he's been taking care of is actually a woman. It just so happened he doesn't have any idea who or what that woman is. It's just lurking inside there, waiting. So that's how I usually start things. When I think of a, some sort of idea. So tarot for me, aside from usual or a typical reading, we use that for some uh, ideas for me to be able to work on. Also, the, uh, I can also use it for some other uh, combination with cards for other games. Let's say, for example, uh, we have here like uh, a tail crab, which is basically being used for uh, a game for uh, storytelling. It's actually pretty much similar to a tarot card, but it's more of a, a, a game. Uh, I would just like also a uh, shout out to uh, Maitori. For the creation of this card, it's actually great. It's been with me for ages, and uh, I'd like to thank her uh, for this uh, opportunity for me to be able to use one. Actually, this is uh, one of the other uh, first print uh, way back, I think, 2008, and I don't know. It's been with me for ages, but it's actually a great card. For uh, play, for uh, role-playing, a uh, storytelling game. It's amazing. And check that out. You can Google that one. I hope there are still available ones. And uh, going back, um, also, uh, for Marseille, you can also play it for a typical card game. Like uh, a poker, a blackjack, 
It just so happened that you have video, a lot of parts of the video involved. Here in the Philippines, uh, actually, there is uh, a similar card game way back, uh, like during the Spanish era. But now, well, it's still pretty much common, usually in some carnivals. They call it sakla. It's basically a, a, a Filipino or a Pinoy version of Tawachi, uh, wherein you use uh, the, the Marseille variant of the minor arcanas for playing cards, something like that. Oy, very interesting. So, Yep, it's very interesting. Actually, if you... Uh, uh, sorry, I didn't know there's a history of uh, of tarot like that right here in the Philippines. I did not know yes. this. I did not yes. know that. Actually, if you would go to some of the, uh, the carnival or feria and look for sakla, you would see that the actual card that they use for that game is actually the uh, minor arcana of Marseille. Ah, okay, okay, sakla, all right. Actually, I just found that out when I was uh, in this uh, bazaar uh, right next to our uh, previous office before. And they have this like uh, huge thing right there, and then I saw this sakla thing, and I was like curious, and I was uh, oh, that asking is... the booth about it, and they said that it was uh, an old game. It was way back in the Spanish. That is game. very interesting. Uh, it's a, it's worth. I think it's worth. Uh... Researching, especially for our non-Filipino listeners, and uh, I, I have more questions. Okay, sure. uh, have you ever used other other kinds of card decks for divinations? Okay. I mean, uh, in my experience, I've I've used uh, so far tarot, uh, Lenormand, and I even use I uh, know this thing called the taroka uh, the taroka cards, okay. which is Very which is uh, actually just a just a prop. Play, uh, no, yeah, playing cards for uh, based on Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Exactly. That's why it's so interesting. Uh, you, you, yeah, you know this now, right? Okay. Yep. So, Anna, uh, and uh, that's a uh, no, that's a fine example of Chaos Magic right there. I mean, yep. um, like I said in previous episodes, uh, Chaos Magic is basically whatever works. Yes. So, whatever works. Even if you don't have a, even let's say, even if you don't have a tarot deck, just use uh, uh, any kind of deck, even one that's uh, that's completely made up with a very uh, with a very recent history. Case in point, tarot cards or even Magic the Gathering cards. You can use that or Yu-Gi-Oh oh, yes, cards. Definitely, that is a wild card. Okay, so anyway, like a wild card. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. Uh, I've used uh, Magic the Gathering before for divination. It was it's too tough. Uh, yes, even Tailcraft, I experimented with Tailcraft. Yep. Actually, it's really tough to read uh, using magic cards, but once you get a hang of it, wow, that would be a blast. But of all the fictional decks, my favorite is the Taroka. Yeah, hands oh, down. Exactly. Yeah. Actually, I'm looking, I'm looking for that one. This so happened that, uh, well, things happened like COVID and, you know. But someday, I will find something like that. I, I bought mine in a yeah. fully book, you know, just to let you know. Maybe you can oh, just go to your yeah. nearest fully book. Uh, I think okay. I think uh, there are there is at least one in uh, no, in in uh, fully booked uh, Katipunan. Mm, okay, I'll try. Maybe one of these days once uh, this COVID pandemic is uh, gone. Yeah. I'll try. Because I used to buy some of the other parts uh, from Katipunan as well. 
exactly a good place for Okay. So anyway, uh, back to you. Uh, okay. Uh, so have you ever used any you know, any other card decks for your divination? Like, you know, Leonard, other, you know, other than tarot, you know? Yeah. I've used playing cards, actually, aside from Lenormand. Ah, the good old gypsy style, you know? Yeah, playing cards can be used, eh? Yeah. And I just remembered something. In hoodoo, uh, you know, the Afro-American uh, tradition oh, yeah. of folk magic, exactly. they you know, they also yep. use playing cards for uh, for divination. Yep, exactly. And not to mention, I think they do have uh, a certain number of dives related to each card, I think. But that was something that is so, um, was so amazing. It was so overwhelmingly amazing. I think maybe one day I will learn full about that. You know, in, uh, the entire thing about yeah, the playing card with the and with it as well. Mm. Uh, any experience with uh, no, with Lenormand? Yeah, and it's actually uh, it's kind of complicated to begin with. Once you get the hang of it, uh, definitely anything would be easy. The, the complicated part would be, uh, because with Lenormand, there's this one famous kind of reading that was uh, being used by Madame Lenormand herself, which is called the uh, the Grand Tableau. And it mm. is basically uh, the, uh, the basic uh, standard of how you read the, uh, the Lenormand. It's kind of difficult uh, to begin with, but once you get the hang of it, it would be just a smooth sailor. It's the same as the idea, the tarot cards, but it's more of, uh, how should I say this? It's more of a uh, model in terms of its size, because uh, Alenormand is, uh, it is regularly sized the same as the, uh, the playing card or a typical magic card. Actually, they are what we call the, uh, the poker size based on the uh, United States playing card. That's uh, how they call it. Or primarily the uh, 808 stock of card. It's really easy to use. Plus, uh, compared to a tarot card, uh, tarot card is made of uh, 78 pieces of cards for an entire set. While the uh, normal, I think it's, it's been a long time since I've used one, but it's more or less like 30 or 30 pieces, I think. There's some 40, but I think it's not really normal. Yeah, something like that. So it's manageable for you to be able to use. Mm. Uh, just to let everyone know, uh, I although I I do read tarot, uh, these uh, these days I know I I, know, I favor using the Lenormand. Uh, if for some reason it know, it feels so right with me compared with know, with tarot. Yep. <clears throat> because at some point uh, the. Uh, Lenormand, it's like, uh, it's on point. It's uh, it's like a summary of the, uh, the general events of everything. So it's right on the spot when you try to use it and uh, have it for reading. That's Our right. Part of the other hand, it's very comprehensive. They're very specific. They are very detail-oriented. Oh, yeah. But, historical tidbit pala. Uh... Uh, I have a historical tidbit to share. Uh, oh, sure. Madame Lenormand uh, was so famous as a fortune teller in her France, in in, in her country France. Uh, she even gave a uh, no. She even predicted that uh, 
that uh, Napoleon would become ruler of France. And uh, Napoleon happened to be, you know, uh, her, one of her customers at the time. Yeah, actually she was very popular back then. Actually she was one of the very influential people back in France. And a lot of people would go and uh, have a meeting for her and they would pay her a lot. And they would go to a lot of lengths just to have a consultation with her because uh, her reputation is really amazing back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, no, eh, but sa- she has a no, she has a uh, sad uh, no, end though. Uh, yeah, she uh, no, she exactly. di- she uh, died, uh, but at a very old age. Okay, so that's natural. She died, uh, but she died childless, and uh, her nephew uh, inherited everything she owned. How unfortunately, her nephew uh, is uh, no, was a, a devout Catholic and. Uh, he you know he he destroyed you know, everything that is mystical uh, that yeah, is it, that used to be owned by you know by by his famous aunt so yeah, yeah that's sad however uh, due to the existence of the Lenormand you know, Lenormand deck uh, her you know, her legacy still lives on which is a good, yeah. great thing exactly it's a good thing that they were able to uh uh, reclaim some of her uh, teachings and uh, they were able to collate some of her uh, um, stories. Basically, uh, some of her diaries about the, uh, the journey of uh, learning the divination through the uh, normal cards. Just to be a very story kind of a thing. Because uh, these days, basically, uh, <clears throat> Most of those kind of stuff would be banned by the Catholic Church and everything. But it's a good thing that while we live in a, a oh, yeah. world right now, so we were able to enjoy the richness ah, of yes. this kind of history. Yes, indeed. Amen to that. Ah, okay, exactly. I have a good question regarding, you know, uh, not necessarily Catholicism, but, you know, uh, con- uh, okay, uh, religious conservatives, you know, um, have you ever been discriminated by for uh, because of your, you know, of your tarot practice? Oh, yes, actually. Uh, there's a lot of instances, and uh, it's definitely something so crazy. Uh, it was actually uh, uh, shocking, but once you get used to it, uh, it was a good brush After all, we live in a, in a free world where... Uh, peace reigns, so uh, let's just be civil about those uh, situations. Because before I have this, uh, let's say, for instance, uh, one of the most, uh, it's not exactly traumatic, but it was a shocking situation is that uh, there was this uh, emperor and uh, I used to read for a lot of people, and there was uh, in a public, uh, public place, to be exact, uh, on a mall. And then suddenly there was this person who would like to do a reading, but in reality, uh, the person was not actually asking for a reading, but that person would like to reach the, uh, the Buddha God, and I can respect that, but uh, she was being inclusive, and uh, it kind of uh, went sideways, as in it, it went, uh, how should I say, it derailed the entire uh, conversation of the event, so... Uh, they would have all the security 
to escort the person because uh, she's getting a bit rowdy at some point. And uh, I can understand that. You know, um, we live in a, a society with a, with a lot of uh, trauma and everything. So we have to understand the each and every situation of the people. And the only thing that we can do is to sympathize with them and be uh, civil. And at the same time, uh, we acknowledge uh, what, we, what we are going with. And it's a good thing that there's a security. That's all I should say about that. Because without yeah, the security, things would go out of hand. And definitely uh, the event would go uh, somewhere else, you know. I mean, I think yeah, you have your own fair share of that. Okay, so uh, one, no, no, one last question uh, before we end this segment. Uh, no, no doubt, no, there will be uh, people after you know listening to this episode, they'll be interested in, no, in getting a reading from you. So, uh, how do they? How will they contact you? Oh, uh, well, if you would like to have a reading uh, with me, you can always give uh, me a contact on my Facebook. You can just simply search on Ryan Marvin Doha. And you uh, can simply message me right there if you'd like to have a reading. Uh, and also, uh, I don't have a you know, phone number, a dedicated phone number for reading. It's basically, uh, I still have to go to work. And uh, primarily, uh, you know, reading to me is uh, part of my hobby. It's, uh, it's a culture for me. But if you would like to have one, then, uh, well, we can uh, have a talk with that. You can just simply message me on Facebook. Oh, and by the way, uh, everybody, uh, Doroha is spelled D R D. Sorry, D O R O J A. All right. Yep. No, no, it's uh, no, it's J, not H. Okay. Uh, just in case you need, just in case you need to, you know, uh, search his name on Facebook or Google. Okay, so we're going to take a few minutes break before we move on to how to do not magic. Yay, I like that. I like that. I think it's stick around with that. I okay. Listen about that. And here we go. Increasing. Ay, increasing the music. Okay. Few minutes. No, no, one minute. See, it's here now.
we are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Chaos Magic. I, I mean, sorry, Pinoy Chaos. Pinoy Chaos. And uh, and I'm here with uh, with guest uh, Ryan Marvin Doroha. Well, you can call me Dolce for short. <laughs> He's going to stay for the remainder of the show, you know, as a, as a commentator. And uh, this is for uh, this for all you uh, um, uh, budding magicians. Uh, I'm going. I'm about to tell you not magic. What is not magic? Not magic is a form of magic. Uh, actually, folk magic. Yeah, it's a, It's one of those old school uh, no, uh, old school sorcery techniques. Okay, uh, basically, you use knots. In, you know, in a rope. As enough for your uh, to to manifest uh, no whatever you want. So uh, okay. it is you know, uh, this is also known as the witch's ladder, and uh, the, I learned about I, I know I I learned this magic uh, from a book called uh, entitled uh, High Magic Two, written by uh, written by uh, legendary chaos magician Frater Yudi. It's a it's a very thick book, very informative. Okay, it has uh, it is very useful information for you know, for uh, both uh, novice and then more experienced uh, magicians. Uh, they used to sell that. They used to uh, sell copies of that in fully booked uh, bookstores, but uh, they they they're gone now. But you you can probably still. Uh, make special orders through fully booked or or maybe any specialty bookstore. So anyway, not magic. Uh, I'll not even bother you know, talking about the history because you know, this is just another. This is a very short segment. Uh, after this segment, we're just gonna talk about paranormal topics. All right. And uh, again, Dodgy is here. You know, just as a, a commentator. Um, so. Uh, to do not magic, you you need uh, no, you need a rope, all right. Uh, you need it. Uh, it's not just any rope, okay. Uh, the kind of rope, you, uh, the the ideal rope for enough for not magic would be something that's made from cotton or or hemp or you know some uh, a, a soft material of some sort. Don't use enough for not magic. Don't use the uh, you know those ultra hard. Uh, uh, Almost like kind of like plastic uh, ropes. Yeah, yeah, they're they're enough. They're difficult to tie. Believe me, I've tried. All right, just go with enough uh, with the cotton ropes or the uh, hemp ropes or something. Okay. How about let's say I don't have a rope with me, but I have a USB cable. Uh, in theory, that can be uh, that can be used for not magic as long as it's you know soft enough for you to to tie. That's on it. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's good. Yeah, I think I can. But if you guys want to go, if, but if you want to, you want old school, and you don't want the, you know, you want to be sure that the knots are securely, securely tied. You need something soft, uh, softer than, uh, than uh, USB cord. So, okay. anyway, you, you take a, you take a piece of rope. All right, how long? Uh, uh, maybe uh, I think one foot is enough. Is already enough. Yeah. It's a good. Okay. That's a good enough measurement. One foot of rope, okay. Uh, and uh, 
okay this okay there are different ways to a nut to to charge the nuts but uh this is another this is the simplest you can do all right if you want if you want uh, something uh something more either you experiment or you just read more books uh good luck in finding high magic too anyway so back to the lessons uh for, okay you take a you take a piece of rope and then you and uh, you start you start uh, reciting uh, uh, an affirmation what is an affirmation an affirmation is a statement uh, with the intent to uh, to manifest the goal stated like for example let's say uh, let's say for example I want to feel I want to feel happy or I want to feel good uh, oh no no uh, a good affirmation will be, I feel great. Yeah, let's go with something simple. I feel great. I feel great. I feel great. Okay? You, you, uh, you repeatedly state the affirmation to yourself. I feel, while holding on to your rope, I feel great. I feel great. I feel great. If you can, you must visualize yourself feeling great. I feel great. I feel great. I feel great. And then, uh, while you state your affirmations, you, uh, you make uh, a knot. Okay? This is the first knot. I feel great. I feel great. I feel great. Then you tie a knot. I feel great. While continue, while continuing and uh, reciting, uh, uh, stating your affirmation. I feel great. I feel great. I feel great. Tie a knot, and then continue. I feel great until you feel the moment and you need to tie a knot, another knot. Okay. I feel great. I feel great. I feel great. It's okay. So you you tie another knot. That's the second knot. I feel great. I feel great. I feel great. Okay. It's like you know you're building up the energy and you're storing all that energy into the rope and tying the tying knots into the rope uh, seals the not the energy in it. Okay, so I feel great, I feel great, I feel great, and then you and then you tie another knot. Okay, depending on your skill and the length of the rope, I uh, know you uh, you can make as many knots as you want, but uh, a good number. Of uh, knots to uh, no, to make will be like three, because uh, it's a uh, it's a uh, spiritually uh, uh, significant number three. There's always a three in uh, in mythology. I mean, there's like the yeah. Holy Trinity, and then there's yeah. like uh, the body, the mind, and the soul. That that's so right. Yeah. And then there's that's the third eye. Okay. In science, they also have the uh, the Trinity of matter. They have proton, electron, and then neutron. That's them, right. And then there's uh, Donald Duck's nephews, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. <laughs> Three Stooges. Yeah. Okay, then that's hardly spiritual, spiritual. But you know what I mean. I mean, just you know, just look into folklore. All right. So anyway, uh, I feel great. I feel great. I feel great. So you keep on tying knots until you feel tired. Okay. Or after, you know, or after you make. Uh, you feel like you're uh, no, you've made enough knots, and there you have it. You have, you have a uh, no. You have a witch, you have a magic knots or or uh, witch's ladder. Now, how do you use it? Uh, let's say you know, let's say you feel stressed. All right. Let's say you feel stressed one day, and you need to uh, you need to feel, you need to recover from that stress. You take your magic knot, and then you untie one knot, and it releases the energy. And then, yeah, and then it manifests the you know, the the feeling, the great feeling you know you uh, you stored into that knot, in, into that yeah, into that knot. And there you have it. That's a uh, one. 
That's the simplest way to do knot magic. If you want to okay. know, learn more about knot magic, and you can just Google, okay? I'm pretty sure there's a lot of resources. Uh, I learned how to do knot magic, again, from High Magic to uh, a book written by Frater UD. It's, uh, you just, just search in, maybe you can um, order it in Amazon, yeah? Uh, I checked on Amazon. You can, I uh, know, you can, to they can totally deliver to the Philippines. Okay, if, if you're living in the Philippines, that is. If you're, if an American, ah, that's no problem for you. Okay, yeah. so, now, uh, we don't need to take a short break for this. Ah, oh, yeah. Uh, Dodgy, what is your feedback on, uh, no, on... On the little magic lesson I just, uh, no, I just taught. That's why I'm browsing about it and about the pictures. One of the fascinating things I've seen right here because uh, it's kind of like uh, I'm seeing like a basic Wikipedia. It's, uh, it's a long knot with a bunch of colors on it. It's kind of like, uh, I forgot what they call it. It's like a dream catcher. It's kind of like a yeah, the old school version of Witch's Ladder. It's pretty amazing. And also, uh, I have a question about the map. Do you have to have like a specific, uh, let's say, distance of uh, a knot from one another? Or can it be just uh, a knot on top of a knot? Or can it be uh, a knot that is within a knot? Or something like that. Well, ideally, it's just a simple knot. That's that's about it. However, it doesn't hurt to experiment. After all, this is a chaos magic show. So, yeah. I know. Whatever works, guys. Whatever works. You know, just like that meme. <laughs> I already talked about this okay. before. That that meme, for, uh, th th that screenshot from, from the old anime, Fist of the North Star, where yeah. there's this character with a dynamite and... And the main character was like, "You call that? You call dynamites a martial art?" And then the the other guy with the, the the guy with the diamonds was like, "Hey, whatever works." So yeah, basically that's that's, that's basically what chaos magic is. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, fuck systems, fuck traditions. Just uh, no, as long as it works, right? Yeah. As long as it works. Yeah. <clears throat> So anyway, we're going to talk about uh, random paranormal topics. Okay, and the first one... Oh, sharks. I lost the bookmark. Oh, take your time Ah, here we go. Found it. Okay, so magic. Okay, this is a no-brainer. Okay, it's com it's kind of co it's common knowledge. Uh, common uh, sorry, common knowledge among practitioners. Uh, it's a uh, it's been there since ancient times, ever since uh, caveman times. Okay, however, times. we're not going to talk about magic during caveman times. We're going to talk about magic back in ancient Roman times. So, I'm reading once again from the book. Read, uh, Reader's Digest Almanac of the Uncanny. You know, from Reader's Digest. It's a, it's a, a hardbound book. Uh, it's a big book. Uh, it's full of, you know, uh, it's a collection of anecdotes of the regarding the supernatural and the paranormal. I don't know if Reader's Digest still sells this book, uh, sell, still sells copies of this book, but uh, just, you know, just, 
just uh, ask them. All right. Don't ask me. This is this book is this was, this book I have is really old. I think back in, I think this was printed back in either early 2000s or in the late 90s. Anyway. Anyway, ancient Roman magic. Okay, I'll just read out uh, some parts of from this section. Uh, sorcery was commonly performed in Roman times, particularly against political rivals. Yeah, wow, political magic. All right, and then uh, and this is uh, Noah. I think this is their uh, smear campaign. Their version of smear campaign back then. Smear campaign. On it was side of things. Yeah, but of course it was a more superstitious. Uh, everybody was more superstitious at the time, so it was considered really, really serious. Oh shit! What happened to my speaker? There we go. I turned it off. That was weird. Look, was that magic? I don't know. <laughs> okay, so it was greatly feared by those in power, who passed severe laws against its against its practice. Okay, so ah, oh, it involves a Caesar, uh, but not Ju not Julius Caesar, by the way. Caesar, uh, the uh, the ruler of Rome. Yeah, this right. is. I think this is one of his relatives. A typical incident is related by Tacitus in his annals. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's it's spelled as an A double N A L S. I'm so sorry. I I tried so hard to be matured about this, but A knows. Okay, so about Germanicus Caesar, who is the adopted son of the Emperor Tiberius. Oh wow. Okay, sounds big. While traveling in Syria in A D nineteen, Germanicus suddenly fell ill. Immediately, he suspected that his adversary, Gineus Calpurnius Piso, governor of the province. I'm so sorry, governor of the province. It's just, it's a it's the surname Piso. That that's just. I mean, we're Filipinos. Or Piso. Yeah, I mean, such a long, such a long first name. I mean, Gineus Calpurnius, and then Piso. That's it. Uh, well, those were the lines. Those were the lines. <laughs> anyway, so Germanicus suspected Gnaeus uh, had poisoned him. In Antioch, uh, sorry, Antioch, Germanicus' condition worsened. Uh, a search of his room convinced him he, that he was a victim of black magic. Among the malignant objects found were human remains. Wow, okay. Curses, lead tablets inscribed with his name, and bloody ashes. Whether from illness, poison, or magic, Germanicus died soon afterwards. Whoa. Now, here's, a, here's a, something interesting. Okay, uh, human remains. Uh, that's, that's kind of that's stuff out of, you know, out of horror movies. What do you think, Dodgy? Sounds like necromancy, you know. I mean, uh, well, it's kind of like a pretty magic box that people using dead stuff, using some corpses or some parts of dead, uh, whatever, or animals. It's kind of a morbid magic version. Maybe. Uh, I mean, the necromancy aspect is isn't so far off. What if, what if whoever you know did the magic, uh, did the spell. Uh, 
uh, used her human remains, you know, to summon the spirit to kill that, uh, not to kill the enemy. Okay. I mean, the ba? Yeah. Yeah, that's something. And here's and here's this uh, this thing about lead tablets. Lead tablets uh, in those ancient in those times, okay. Even in ancient Greece, they also used less used the uh, lead, lead tablets to you know to write their their curses on them. Just to make just to make sure that's lead, as in the uh, the metal lead, right? Not the uh, the LED lights, lead. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's LED. You know that that the stuff. Uh, yeah. In, uh, it's basically a uh, metal used for plumbing, or basically uh, just a slab of metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah a slab of metal, that's right. Yeah. So, I was thinking earlier, LED, L-E-D, so it's light, so they have LED lights back then. <laughs> so, uh, this, this, uh, the, LED, the LED tablets, uh, no, it, actually you can use this kind of concept in, uh, in modern magical practice. Uh, but, of course, you don't need to do, use a uh, LED a lead tablet. You just need a piece of paper, and then you just write down uh, your statement of intents. Not just curses, all right? Um, you can just write uh, whatever you wish for, you know, and then you just hide it in a special place until then, until it manifests. Yeah, that's one way. That's one way to you know to adapt this kind of practice, but in a more modern and uh, uh, less and uh, less malignant uh, way. Hi guys, uh, welcome back to uh, to Pinoy Chaos. Uh, there has been uh, uh, techni technical difficulties uh, while I was uh, talking about uh, ancient Roman uh, magic, so uh, we we will have to you know, uh, continue off where we you know, where we where the recording stopped. Okay, so consider this as part two of uh, no, of tonight's episode. Okay, so here we go. So anyway, so our story, our story, is uh, it came from uh, from Tacitus, the writer Tacitus, in his uh, Annals. I already made the joke. Nah, I'm not gonna make it. I'm gonna tell the joke twice. Uh, it's about Germanicus Caesar, uh, adopted son of the emperor Tiberius. While traveling in Syria in AD 19, Germanicus suddenly fell ill. Immediately, he suspected that his adversary, Gnaeus Calpurnius Piso, I'm so sorry, Piso. Yeah, I mean, such impressive in our first name, and then the surname, just Piso. And it doesn't help that I'm Filipino, and Piso is basically <laughs> the monetary, cur the monetary. currency. National currency of the Philippines. <laughs> Good grief. Piso, my God. Um, governor of the it province. So, so anyway, this Gnaeus guy uh, was suspected of poisoning uh, uh, Germanicus Caesar. Okay, in and okay, I'm just reading from you know, from uh, again Almanac of the Uncanny by Reader's Digest. In Antioch, Germanicus' condition worsened. A search of his room convinced him he was a victim of black magic. Among the malignant objects found were human remains, curses, lead tablets inscribed with his name, and bloody ashes. 
whether from illness, poison, or magic, Germanicus died soon afterwards. Ooh, creepy. Uh. So, okay, and then there's this one thing that I uh, that I noticed from you know, uh, no, a couple of things I noticed from this story. Uh, human remains. That's very interesting. That's like something out of a horror movie. What do you think, Dodgy? It's kind of uh, morbid, and at the same time, uh, it's kind of bloody. It's, it kind of reminds me of uh, necromancy, you know, uh, using some random body parts, blood, and some uh, corpses for the magic. It's kind of creepy, you know. It's, it's kind of like a, a subject for uh, some sort of a horror movie. It is like creepy. Yes, yes, indeed, it is creepy. And I just remembered something. In Thailand, uh, there is a no, there are there are form there is a form of black magic that involves uh, no, uh, human remains, and and there's even uh, no, there's even one ritual which involves. Okay, I am so sorry if you guys have uh, weak stomachs. Human fetuses. That's right. Human fetuses. I know, right? Uh, I hope uh, there aren't any Thais out there listening to this and, you know, getting offended. But uh, no, that's, uh, no, that's what I gathered. And I, and I had uh, no, legit sources. Uh, okay. <clears throat> I hope you guys aren't offended. They've been using a lot of those kind of things. Like uh, in some other uh, faraway regions, they use uh, human parts in, like that. That's right. And to be fair, guys, uh, in here in the Philippines, we also have some kind of uh, 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 black magic that's kind of like that. Uh, similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, it's fair. Yeah. Okay, so... And uh, that, regarding the necromancy aspect, Dodgy, uh, and I, I have a theory. I mean, what if, what if the spellcaster... Who, who cast a spell against Germanicus, used human remains to summon or attract the no uh, evil spirits, yeah, certain spirits, to you know to curse Germanicus, uh, to attack Germanicus. You mean something like a gaul? Yeah, something. Some yeah, something like a gaul, or maybe he used the or maybe he used the spirit who used to own those human uh, human parts. Kind of either of the two. Either of the two. Because what I'm thinking is that if they would use something like that, probably they would use like a, a corpse or a body of a, a fallen enemy of uh, Germanicus. No, I mean, uh, what's that person again? I'm sorry. Germanicus. Germanicus, yeah. They would use some uh, fallen warrior who fought Germanicus. Because... Uh, Probably it would make the spell more potent because that person eats it. Yeah, that's a that's a possibility. Yeah. Or it, it would be possible if they use blood magic or some sort of a, a distant barbaric tribe who fought who, who fought with them. Well, there is a mention of bloody ashes right here. Oh, okay, yeah, that's interesting. That's what I'm thinking actually. I mean, what if that blood that was involved with that ash? came from those uh, bunch of warriors. That's, that'll be interesting. Mm. 
and most of those people who were involved during that ritual does have a uh, they hold a grudge for him. I mean that would be really really strong, I think. And then the second uh, the second thing I noticed in this story, the use of lead tablets. This can actually be used in a modern magical practice. Uh, except uh, instead of lead tablets, I mean, good luck in finding lead ta lead tablets. I mean, where the hell are you gonna buy them or find them, the ba? Sheesh. Rip off your uh, let's say lead pipes in your water and then melt it and then turn it into tablets. I don't. That would be a tedious thing to do. I don't know. I I, I very much doubt um, modern magicians have that kind of patience. <laughs> Maybe there are yes. there are a few, but. Uh, you know what? Just go with uh, for a modern adaptation. Just go with a piece of paper and just write down, you know, affirmations. It doesn't have to be a curse. I mean, you can you can use you uh, know as statement of intents. Uh, I mean, I mean affirmations stating you uh, know what you what you know uh, what what you desire. You know, you know, just write. You just write down, I know, I am rich, I am rich, I am rich, I am wealthy, I am wealthy. Yeah. That's a no, that's... A, now that's, uh, no, that's, that's a more... A modern and... Uh, a modern and less malignant way to use this kind of magic. Exactly. Mm -hmm. or, well, if you would like it to be uh, retro-classical, you can use your tablet, you have an iPad, or you can use your phone. Just open up your notepad. That'll be, be fine. Yeah, and write down your wishes, right? Yeah. That's a good... That's one thing to do it. <clears throat> okay. Okay, so what's next? That was a very interesting story. Germanicus. Oh, here's a good one. spring Hill Jack. Oh, crap, I lost the page. Where is it? Okay, that's something new. Here we go. Springhill Jack. Okay, this is uh, set in uh, in Great Britain, and uh, I'm gonna read the read one part. In February 1838, a young Londoner named uh, Jane Alsop was lured uh, lured from her East End home by a man claiming to be a policeman and crying for god's sake bring me a light for we have caught springhill jack here in the lane jane rushed out with a candle and as she gave it to the man he attacked her savagely her shrieks raised alarm and with a great leap he disappeared into the night jane later described the man to a magistrate saying that he was wearing a kind of helmet and a tight white oilskin garment he had long talons and eyes like balls of fire and he spewed out blue and white flames jane's experience a what what is that a jack-o-lantern that's what i'm imagining ah yeah this sounds like something out of a halloween steam movie or some sort no can you imagine it's like some sort of a Tim Burton story? Anyway, there's yeah, Tim Burton. It sounds like yeah, even by just by the description of the costume, no, of the appearance. Exactly. Anyway. It's like the headless head, uh, the headless uh, henchman. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. 
Jane's experience was the first close encounter with Spring-Heeled Jack. Although there has been sightings of him a year earlier on Barnes Common in London, he was usually described as being more than two meters tall. Uh, Dodgy, question. Uh, uh, in feet, how tall is two meters? Two meters. Let me check. Two meters. Hmm, that's like roughly Okay, that's kind of tall, yeah. But then again, we're talking about white peoples, uh, and uh, most white people. Uh, I think I know it's six. Uh, six feet is a nice, like an average, no? So uh, yeah, I think Spring Hill Jack is a nice, an average heighted uh, being, so and person, whatever. <clears throat> okay, so he was usually. What? Spring Hill Jack. The spring, like the springs on your uh, uh, on your heels. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, based on checking Google, he's like, a, yeah, he's like a morbid version of Batman. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah you got that right. He's a morbid. He's, he's like man. Oh yeah, kind of like Batman, yeah. Uh, according to Almanac of the Uncanny, uh, he's. Uh, Two, two meters tall or six feet tall, wearing a black cloak and having springs in his boots to bound over hedges. How is that even sci Is that even scientifically possible? <laughs> and it's possible is we have like a, a spring shot on some of the other vehicles, but for you to spring back like this in like over five feet, then require you a, a stronger spring. Over hedges, that way. That mean edges. Well, even a very powerful like that would be the case. Wow. For the spring, where would he place the spring logically? That's a mystery. Exactly. That that is a pretty powerful. Those are pretty powerful springs, no? <laughs> and you should really have a very powerful like to do so for him to be able to use those springs. If that would be the case. And by the way, he he does really exactly like a, a Victorian era Batman. That's what I'm seeing right now. Mm. He's, he's just a bit more of it. Or Daredevil. Uh, or Daredevil. Because yeah. uh, there's this uh, part here saying, uh, in West Norfolk, he was said to wear bullock's horns. Or bull's horns. I think he must have an image like that. He must have like a, a horn. It's like a... Yeah, it's, it's a bit like devil. So, uh, so, uh, no, uh, Batman... Um, so, uh, no, may, uh, a diabolical Batman, Daredevil hybrid. Yep. Oh. Oh, it is also like the Creeper from DC Comics. Red Shaggy Hyde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. And, oh, there's a tail too. Stiff, curving tail. All right. I think he was supposed to imitate a devil. 
based on what I'm seeing on the initial pictures. Mm. Oh, and there's, uh, there's here's something interesting. An outfit that was once discovered hidden in an old loft alongside a pair of jack boots with springs on their heels. Mm. Okay. Interesting. So what happened to Springfield Jack? Did he did he just do, you know, what Spider-Man did and, you know, stop being Probably. Spring Hill Jack in a more dramatic way? Or... Probably. <laughs> yeah. I Spring Hill Jack, no more in this issue. For some... Yeah, for some reason, I think. Okay, good. It's still recording. <laughs> okay. All right. 15 minutes have passed. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so... Their first suspect for the uh, uh, f uh, for Spring Hill Jack uh, was uh, the Marquis of Waterford, who was known to be a notorious prankster. So, wow, those those novels they have a lot of time in their hands, and eh, even back then. And then there's another one, another suspect, uh, a coal merchant's son. And then, oh, he, he, you know, Spring Hill Jack was an was a was a phenomenon, talaga. And there were, uh, there were imitators, yeah. So, just I know it kind of reminds me of the the Dark Knight Returns, you know, by Frank Miller. Yeah, at or, least they don't wear hockey pants. And then and uh, and then Batman uh, when Batman came back uh, he suddenly had an army of imitators who exactly. who fought crime who also fought crime but uh, way more violent than uh, than Batman yeah. so yeah it, 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 this another uh, this this part in Spring Hill Jack's story you know reminded me of that part so so Spring Hill Jack uh, you know I have a feeling you know this is fake. I don't think Spring Hill Jack was real, because eh, eh, during those times, eh, eh, there's this, but there's there are these special books, uh, book magazines of uh, that features, you know, uh, scary, uh, uh, scary, you know, short stories. They're called Penny Dreadful, uh, Penny Dreadfuls. So yes, I, I, I have a feeling, eh, eh, this, uh, this is, you eh, marketing eh, for. For Penny Dreadful, say. Eh? What do you think? What I mean, Ika, what's your theory on this? Do you think uh, Spring Hill Jack is is a real uh, was a real person or was it a was he a hoax? It's, it's, it's like a, a folk tale. It's like uh, the the Penny Dreadful. Actually, uh, it's a it's a good show. Actually, the Penny Dreadful. Uh, also, going back, um, there's a lot of imitators of him, and luckily they were not wearing hockey pants at that time. So Kind of like the boogeyman. I'm sorry. Like the boogeyman. Yep, like the boogeyman, or the uh, the story of the uh, the Jack the Ripper, mm. something like that. Okay. 
I think this is uh, this happened around the same time as Jack the as the Jack the Ripper murders, but I'm not sure. 'yung yeah, the history of uh, the Baba Yaga, something like that. Hmm. And then oh and then here's here's one thing that might uh, debunk the no the whole uh thought form a uh, thought form uh, no theory. Uh they found an uh, they have they found an out- outfit that uh, no, that was suspected to be to have belonged to uh, no, to Spring Hill Jack. But on the other hand this article also mentioned pranksters so what if what if there really was a spring hill jack uh thought form egregor whatever and uh this you know, this uh found costume found the uh, outfit was uh, no was just a prank and then uh I, ironically it contributes to uh, contributes energy to the uh, no, to the that gives more life to the Spring Hill Jack uh, no, legend. It's possible. It's possible that they've uh, planted those kind of things to spread rumors, to uh, empower, or to give strength to the uh, agricultural, or basically the other uh, farm, to the Springman. Or it could be possibly the uh, doing of some of the uh, fanatics who would like uh to let's say empower the uh, the spirit of the uh, yeah um, it's possible he might have fans at the time you know and they uh, what and in their you know in their devotion they want they you know uh they made uh they made the uh, spring hill jack related pranks you know to give to to give more life to the legend possible yeah it's possible yeah yeah it's possible i mean uh, even today's serial killers they have their own fans so an in an an infamous character like spring hill jack uh, most likely he'll have a groupies of some sort exactly another thing is that uh, it could also be uh, a doing of those people who would like to uh, use spring hill jack as a means of a cover-up for their own crime 
Oh yeah. Oh, that's one. Yeah, that's one thing to let's consider. Say yeah. Uh, let's say if they did some sort of a, a crime or a murder, instead of uh, having it being traced back to them, they would use some false evidences and trace it or lead it to uh, the Spring Hill chat. So in that way, they can dodge whatever uh, incoming, uh, uh, let's say, policemen, or let's say, uh, to dodge the, uh, the law for it, you know. They would use Spring Hill Jack as a ball guy instead. Hmm. Which is kind of interesting, because uh, way back with, uh, during those times, uh, social injustice is very, very uh, prominent. And people would usually come up with some stories about these uh, vigilantes and uh, some other creepy uh, crawler legends and stuff like that. You know, kind of like the, the story of the Rippers. It is uh, also the story thing for the uh, like uh, likes of uh, Van Helsing or Solomon Kane. You know. So it could be that this legend was being used by those people to cover up for whatever crimes they did. Or, what if it was, uh, no, what if there was a conspiracy to cover up a crime committed by a member of uh, no, British royalty? Remember, Springle Jack uh, was, uh, no, is in, uh, was set in, uh, in England, in, in Great Britain, so... So yeah, what if there was I know what if there was a big uh, cover-up conspiracy? It, it is possible because back in those days, uh, you know, technology is something new, and people are not that adaptable in terms of technology. So their logic still clings on something supernatural, or what we would say something like uh, magical, dark, or something like that. So they would rather believe the story of the Spring Hill Jack compared to a logical uh, scene of the crime investigation. You know. So it is very possible at that time. Mm. And you also uh, like some sort of a propaganda to sway people's thinking about certain things that's, that's been happening at that time. You know, Especially if there's a, a royalty involved in a scandal or a crime. You know, these type of stories can be used as means of uh, a cover-up. Or a distraction. Exactly. Distraction. Oh, yeah. Which our modern-day politicians are not often do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's happening. Yeah, it still does happen. So, so it, you know, uh, Spring and Jack, is, uh, no, there's a big possibility it might have just been a, a big distraction. Yep. Uh, to distract, you know, uh, citizens from, you know, from scandals uh, at the time. Uh, yeah, Tama, it's very possible, very possible. And uh, our last uh, random paranormal topic regards uh, a legendary monster. And uh, Dodge, you're, you know, you're familiar with, you know, with uh, mythological creatures, the right? So, cockatrice. Are you familiar with the cockatrice? I used to ridicule with that because I call it chicken lizard hybrid with uh, toxic breath, something. Exactly, and it, although it's a no, it's a. Uh... It's a chicken for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I know. Weird, right? A lizard rooster. 
There was even a Magic the Gathering card featuring, you know, uh, you know the chicken hybrid. Yeah, I remember that. The puppet Anyway, uh, ito, this is a, a really strange story. Uh, the the cockatrice legend was like what? Uh, happened a very long time ago? Like mga medieval age or dark ages or something? I think it's like uh, some sort of uh, a mythical piece back in... Uh, it's similar to a dragon. It's like middle ages. You know, It's like uh, during the time of uh, dragons, wizards, uh, what else? Uh, like wyverns. So those like the mythical things. Like phoenix. Well, phoenix is... Uh, Subjective. Well, well, this story, you know, is really surprising because it's because this uh, story is set in 1733. That is, that is, you uh, no, way beyond the uh, no dark ages or you know medieval is, ages. Uh, somewhat middle ages, like uh, 1700s, that would be like 18th century, yeah. Yeah, it's all, it's it's just enough. Several decades before, I know, before the eight the nineteenth century. Yeah. Uh, anyway, in 1733, while workmen were rebuilding a church in the Cumbrian village of Renwick, in the north of England, a hideous winged uh, winged uh, monster burst out of its foundations, resembling the mystical cockatrice or basilisk. Okay. A crowing reptilian creature supposedly hatched by a toad from a leathery egg laid by a cockerel which is rooster by the way everyone uh, it terrified the local people who fled and barricaded themselves inside their homes the monster continued to circle overhead flapping its huge bat-like wings and emitting blood-curdling uh, shrieks wow how, how how would you, you know, react when you see something like that? Would you uh, laugh or would you like run the hell out? I mean, I mean, even no, no, even real, even real chickens, particularly roosters, uh, they can be nasty and they, you know, they can attack people. Yes, and we have a lot of roosters around yeah. here in our place. And then there was this recent news, the uh, the uh, there was a rooster in a illegal cockpit fight, a cockfight. Oh, yeah. That killed the police officer? Holy shit! It killed an officer because uh, actually the uh, the chicken does have like a, it's actually a fighting cock. It's a fighting cock, a fighting cock, yes. Yes, and it has you know well a typical fighting cock they do have a blade on the back of their uh, heel. That's right, and that blade sliced the what's that the femoral? Uh, the uh, the main artery on the uh, the neck of the, uh, the police officer. Yes, femoral te artery, tama. It was uh, located somewhere in the in the tide, right? Yes. And uh, the uh, the cause of death of the uh, the policeman was uh, severe blood loss because uh, it was cut by that uh, blade of the uh, fighting rooster. What a strange way to die, Grabe, eh, no? I mean. Yes, it's a very strange. Hmm. It is so strange to point of how the hell would that happen? That's right. And then now, imagine now imagine this monstrosity, okay? <laughs> a reptilian rooster uh, chasing a police officer. Officer, oh my God, no, that's a sight to see. That is, 
that is another that is worth that is another worth viral gold on YouTube. Exactly. During those time, you have video of camera that is something million likes. I am very curious about this story. I mean, uh, surely it is. A, surely it, it may be a different kind of animal, not a cock, not a cockatrice. Uh, yeah, if only they were, if only they no, they were remains. Uh, they kept some remains, and then we could just study them with our modern technology. But alas, they probably don't have a means of uh, now preserving the remains. So yeah. Yeah, guess it was like some sort of a hearsay, may say, kind of a thing without the other proof. Yeah, and well, why I mentioned uh, the uh, studying its remains will be uh, will be important. Will be very interesting. It's because uh, no, this cockatrice was slain by a certain John Talantire, uh, one of the workmen at the church. He armed himself with a branch from the rowan or mountain ash, a tree reputed to have magical properties that will repel the evil eye and witch's spells. So, yeah, uh, the cockatrice got killed by a man with a stick. <laughs> He turned that chicken into a chicken, a roasted chicken, using that stick. Yeah, it's now Inisao Cockatrice. Yes. So, uh, Inasal pala, sorry. Inasal na Cockatrice. Yeah. <laughs> or probably a roasted chicken like that or something. Yeah. And based on that story, I think it sounds like, uh, you know, that story, Don Quixote. The guy who used to be like, uh, he thought of himself like a, a knight in a shining armor and that he thought of himself like he's fighting uh, a giant dragon, but it was not. It's, uh, it's actually a windmill. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, Sancho Panza was uh, keep on telling him that he's crazy and that he's not actually fighting a dragon. It's yeah. just uh, a windmill. So probably the person at that time was drunk. Senor, no! That is no giant! <laughs> Some sort of... Yeah. Oh, 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 okay, 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 Senor Quixote. Oh, oh, God, he's, I think he's gonna die. No, he still lives! <laughs> he's just he's just stuck at the, uh, the huge propeller. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, that, that's, another, that's probably the best Sancho... Panza voice I could do. Oh no! I bet he he, uh, no, he always says oh no every time yeah. you know, Quixote does every something. Okay. Anyway, um, back back to the story. Yeah, it might be uh, just misidentification lang. Exactly. Or probably here's the thing. Probably the person who saw that is drunk. Oh no no it's it's you know it's witnessed by many people but then again it can it could be a mass hysteria it could be you know i mean what could possibly happen at that time yeah yeah so according to this story it was a fierce battle you know a man uh, fighting a chicken a reptile chicken with a stick and uh <laughs> and then uh the man with the man slew the beast with his magic stick. The grateful villagers rewarded Talentire for his bravery by giving him freehold to his cottage and exempting him from parish dues. Okay. 
A record of the remarkable episode is still kept in Renwick's church, but a certain zoological identity uh, identity for the cockroaches of Renwick has never been determined. See, they should they really should have been an preserved remains, but of course it was the 1700s. They probably don't have the means to you know to, to to preserve the dead body of a of a dino chicken. For some reason, yeah, I think they they burned it. I don't know. But it would be very interesting if they would have like uh, just least like the uh, some remains of that, especially like the uh, the bones. Or if probably they could obtain like some feathers of it. In modern day science, we can do some DNA testing or possibly some sort of uh, a research using that feather. Mm -hmm, that's right. Anyway, you know, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. Way back during prehistoric age, we do have a number of uh, uh, flying reptilian dinosaurs, aside from pterodactyl, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, a dinosaur. Yeah, it might have been a, no, a surviving dinosaur of some sort. Yeah, that's one possibility. They accidentally killed it, and now it's extinct. Something like that. Mm, know, that's like, right. Like Lord Overs. What a shame. Or we could have done, you know, the uh, the Jurassic Park thing. If, you know, if if only... I mean, yeah. cloning has become possible. If Not, we can obtain, like, a, a specimen sample of uh, its feather or blood, then, you know, you know, we can yeah. create like a clone of it. Jurassic Park. Yeah, but or, but preservation techniques were very limited back then, so we got nothing. Oh well. Anyway, I really like this story. Um, why? Because not only it's a uh, no, and not only it's a uh, it features a uh, a legendary monster. It's it's absurd. But in a very entertaining way, and yes, it's easy to make jokes out of it. <laughs> so very interesting, and interesting actually. Very interesting, yeah, interesting and entertaining. Yep. So that's it for uh, tonight's episode of Pinoy Chaos. Uh, despite technical difficulties, I hope everyone out there enjoyed this episode. And uh, again. Uh, this is my guest, uh, Ryan Marvin Doroha. Uh, again, how will they contact you if they want, you know, professional tarot readings from you? Well, we can, uh, well, I don't exactly do professional tarot readings. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. But, but they can always reach me at my Facebook if they, they wanted to. But I cannot guarantee that I can provide you a schedule since uh, I'm uh, on a tight schedule at some point. Yeah. Right now, yeah, due to work constraints and everything. Yeah, so if you guys have any questions, okay, uh, regarding tarot or cartomancy in general, Doji is your man, okay? Now, uh, actually, yes, I can do tarot. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Yeah. And if you really want to have one and you're on the lookout for something that's uh, something entertaining, but at the same time something informative, look no further. It's uh, true. Uh, ask my past uh, customers. Uh, say, say hi, guys. 
Oh, yes, it's true. Uh, uh, Leco is a very uh, good uh, card reader. Yes, he's very amazing, Leco. He's very good looking, too. <laughs> Ladies, he's, in a, he's worth dating, all right? You can easily find him on Facebook. Yeah, and, and then... Oh, yes, uh, I'm a little boy. And, uh, Kuya Liko is really, really cool. <laughs> yeah, I like his cards. Well, you can always also contact his... Very legit past customer, uh, very legit testimonial, testimonials, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> but no, guys, seriously, if you're looking for a cool way for you to be able to have a uh, your fortunes to be read to you, or... If you want to be entertained, just like that, with a, a bit of uh, inner knowledge from yourself, look no further. Rico is here to provide you that feeling for you. Help me find my long lost daughter. <laughs> yes, th thank you, grandfather. Um, please go home. All right, you're you're still drunk. All right. Go home. Yeah. I miss my wife. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, Dodgy, do you have any closing remarks for our listeners? Oh, so basically, if you want to learn uh, further information about our college or reading, you can always contact people with other knowledge. And uh, as for me, I don't have yet any page for now, but uh, I'll give you guys a heads up and uh, I'll inform people if there's anything uh, uh, about uh, my own gigs or anything for that. So you can be uh, in touch with him. For now, you can always stop him. He's the best guy now. Right. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, Dodgy. And uh, and so we end this episode of Pinoy Chaos. This is your host, Licorello, saying good night. And I cue the music. <laughs>